Okay, so we're up to Daf Yud Bez. Amid Aleph. Actually, the end of Yud Aleph Amid Bez. So, the Gemara digresses to have a seemingly unrelated topic that we'll, we'll bring back to our Mishnah. Again, our Mishnah was talking about a case where a person says, I'm a Nazir and I'm responsible to pay for someone else's uh, to bring to supply Karbonos for another Nazir and another guy says, Alai, Aniva, Alai, I'm, I'm in. And it talks about how each person should just give their Karbonos to the other one and if not, they have to pay for their own Karbonos and pay for their friend's Karbonos. So it says the Gemara like this, the bottom line, If a person tells his shliach, tells a, a messenger, He says, go marry me a woman, but he doesn't specify who. Okay, so Reuven tells Shimon, go outside to the marketplace, or go somewhere, go somewhere, and Mekadosh uh, Anisha for me. He doesn't say who. So what happens was, the shliach uh, dies without saying what happened. So the Shaila is, did he actually Mekadosh Anisha without, uh, without, before he died? So the halach is, Aser b'chol hanashim shabayilam Ruvain, who sent the shliach, is not allowed to marry anybody. Why? Because when you marry a woman, right, her relatives are also to you, right? A person can't marry his mother-in-law, can't marry his sister-in-law, can't marry his daughter-in-law. Which means that when Shimon went out, the assumption is that Shimon the shliach fulfilled his shlichus, and he was Mekadish a woman, let's say Rachel, which means that Rachel's relatives are also to Ruvain, because Ruvain is married to Rachel. The problem is, because you don't know who he was Mekadish, every woman on the world might be a relative of his wife. So because his wife is out there, we don't know who that is, that in turn makes every woman Asr to him, because, he says, Because the Gemara explains, we have a Chazaka that a Shliach will do his job. And since the person didn't specify who the Mekadish, we don't know who his wife is, and by turn, in turn, we don't know who his wife's relatives are. So every woman might be his wife's relative. The only way he can marry a woman, the Gemara is going to talk about this later on, is if he marries a woman that has no relatives, because then she can't be the uh, relative of his wife, because she doesn't have a relative. Okay, that's the rule. So fine. The Gemara says a kasha. Rav Yechon for the following kasha. We know there's certain, let's say someone's tummy, that he has to bring karbonus, and uh, some of the karbonus that you bring are bird karbonus. Now, generally, you bring two birds, one's a chatas and one's an oila. The halach is like this. If someone has kanstuma, which means he has an unspecified pair of birds, he takes two birds, and he says, these are going to be used for my carbon, but he doesn't say which is a chatas, which is an oila. Sheparcha. So you have the two birds in front of him. One's going to be a chatas, one's going to be there, but he didn't specify it, and then one of them flies away. Or one of them flew, but it got mixed in with um, chatos, other chatos birds that are not allowed to be used. So basically, he lost one of the birds. And one of them died. So, he takes a partner for the second bird. He goes to the store, and he buys it. Okay, that's fine. Now, before we go back to Arkasha, Now, uh, what if, let's say, he has the chatas and the oila, but he actually specified which one, and then one of them flew away, but he doesn't remember which one he specified. Or he had the two birds in front of him, he was able to tell which was the chatas and the oila when they were together, but then one of them flew away. So he doesn't, doesn't know which flew away, was it the chatas or the oila? Then there's uh, then uh, he can't just get another one, because he doesn't know what he's replacing. Yeah. 
you can't just get another one because you don't know what, if you're replacing a chatasana. What you have to do is you have to get another pair. Okay. Let's go to the first case. You have one of the birds flew away. The halacha is, he just goes to the street, goes not to the street, goes to the store and buys another bird and use that other bird as a replacement. Here's the kasha. He's allowed to go get any bird. The same way when we're afraid that the shliach was mekadash a woman. That makes every single woman on planet earth a suffix, a doubt whether this is his wife's relative. And therefore, we don't go basa roiv, right? Because if you go roiv, if you go by the majority, the majority of women are not his wife's relative. Even if he has one wife out there, the majority of women is not his wife's relative. Yet, we don't go basa roiv. And we say that every woman on planet Earth is suspect, that she might be the relative of his wife. So how come, if you have a bird that flies out there, so you have a bird that flew away, so he, he's allowed to go to the store and get a replacement. But why? Maybe this bird was set aside as a carbon. Yeah, why not Why not say that? Meaning, you should say that somewhere in the world there's a bird that's already designated as someone's carbon. All birds taken from the wild are disqualified. Hold on one second. I'm sorry. Recording stopped. Meaning like this, because sorry, because there's a bird that flew out there, shouldn't that make every single bird osser? Meaning, I go to the store, I'm able to buy a bird, why should I be able to buy a bird? Why not say that it might be that guy's carbon? Once you know that a bird of a carbon that flew away, shouldn't that osser every single bird in the world? The same way you're asking every single woman in the world to him because it might be his wife's relative. So you should osser every bird in the world, should be osser, because it might be uh, the guy's carbon. It should put into question every single bird. So why why don't we ask her? Because you go by Sarov. You go by the majority. The majority of birds are not a carbon. So to by the woman. What's the difference? So Amrlay, Sarabiachan responds, Kaimna no Ishadlinaida, Vamila at Isuridanaida. This is a complicated thing in Halacha, right? There's a concept called a roiv. But we also know there's another rule which is called Kavua Kamech Samechsadami, which means if the if you have a shila, you have a suffer, right? you have a piece of meat that you find in the street, you don't know if it's kosher or non kosher, you go by the majority. However, there's a rule called kol kavua kamech samech Kol kavua means that if the shayla arose in the place where the item is supposed to be. So let's say instead of the meat, you see the meat in the street, meat is not supposed to be in the street. Therefore, it didn't originate in the place where it's supposed to be, so you go bust to the majority. But let's say you have meat in a store and you're not sure if it's kosher or non-kosher. Then you don't go bust the roi. Then it's awesome. You go kol kavua kamech samech It's 50-50. So too over here, the Gemara answer is very simple. The reason why birds are mutter is because birds fly and they're moving around. Therefore, they're never in their space. So you go basaroiv. By the wife, where where is he Mekadesh's wife? Where's where where you know? Let's say uh, Ruven sent Shimon to be Mekadesh Anisha. Where did he Mekadesh her? He didn't Mekadesh her in the street. No one gets Mekadesh in the street. It's Mekadesh her in in a house. So where's she supposed to be? So that's you don't go basaroiv. And even more than that, and the Gemara is going to point out. Just say it outside. They'll see it inside. Even if Hitaka did be Mikadashir in the street, but then when Reuben wants to marry the, the, another a random woman, where is he going to Mikadashir? The original woman is now in a house, meaning people are where they're supposed to be generally, therefore you don't go to Sarov. 
And even if you say in the case of a person, it could be that their movement, meaning that perhaps the shliach found her in a street and was mekadashir in the street, then you would go basaroi, but she'll eventually go back to her house. Before the uh, before he wants to marry the other woman, she's already back in her house, so you don't go basaroif. But Gabikan Mihadra, but regarding pair of birds, they never go back to their fixed station. Birds are constantly in movement, and therefore you you, you go basaroif. Okay. Now the Iker Shail, the Iker Halacha was that if a person is uh, sends a shliach to Mekadish a woman, and we assume that he did his job. That means that every single woman is also why because they might be the relative of his wife. So Amar Rav Rav says Umoider of Yechon. Rav Yechon obviously agrees. Beisha Sheinla. If you have a woman who has no relatives, then it's fine because she can't be the relative of his wife. The only thing she could be, she's either his wife or she's a single girl. The concern is always that you have he was Mekadesh Rachel, and now Reuven later wants to marry Leah and Rachel Leah are sisters. Okay, it's a problem. Let's say Leah has no relatives. She cannot be the the relative of his wife because she doesn't have meaning. Loi Bas, she doesn't have a daughter. Loi Bas Bas, she doesn't have a granddaughter. Loi Bas Ben doesn't have a, 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 a son's daughter. Loi Aim doesn't have a mother. Loi Aim doesn't have a maternal grandmother. Loi Achois doesn't have a sister. All these cases, then will be fine. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. The Gemara takes it a step further. Reuven wants to marry Leah. So, we have to find out. Maybe Leah is, is related to his wife. Because he doesn't know who his wife is. So you say, Leah, do you have a mother? No. Do you have a sister? Do you have a daughter? No. Do you have a sister? She says, I have a sister. But the sister was married when Reuven sent the original shliach. Meaning, Reuven sent the original shliach on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And Sunday morning at 10 a.m., his wife, his sister was already, her sister was already married, still married. Once she was married at the time, then obviously the shliach is not going to be Mekadashar. So then it's fine. But the Chiddush is like this. What if he appointed the Shliach Sunday morning, 10 a.m., and she was still married? And then a day later, she became single. She got divorced, widowed. The Halacha is, you could still marry the sister. Why? Because we assume, my time, because at the time that the Ruvain sent the Shliach to do the job, she was married at that moment. And and when a person appoints a shliach, he only appoints him a shliach to do a job that he could do at that time. Therefore, at that moment when he appointed her, she was not available to be married. Therefore, you don't assume that he actually married her. I a day later she became single, so maybe a day later when he was still looking for potential partners, she was single. No. We go by the time, at the time of the shlichus. At the time of the shlichus, she was married, therefore she was not off limits, and therefore you can marry your sister, because the sister is definitely not the sister of his wife, because he would never, the shliach is not going to do a job that the, that at the time of the shlichus, at the time of the appointment, it wasn't possible. We don't care what happens later, we go by the time of the shlichus. So again, just to understand the case, if Reuben wants to marry Leah, and Leah, so you have to figure out, is Leah the sister of his wife, because he doesn't know who his wife is. So if Leah's wife... Rachel was married at the time where the original shliach was appointed, then it's fine. Because he would never have married off Reuven to Rachel, even if Rachel became single a day later. The Gemara now says like this. Now, this opens up a bit of a can of worms to understand the concept of what a shliach does. Right now we're saying that a shliach will not, will, will go 
his job is defined based on what the matzav was at the time of the shlichus. So the Gemara says, Tanana, says in the Mishnah, Mishnah says, Hareini Nazir, we had in our Mishnah, if a person says, I'm a Nazir, so you have Ruvain says, I'm a Nazir, and I have to supply Karbanos for another Nazir. Okay? And our, uh, right after that, that's Ruvain. Shama Chaver, Shimon hears this, Shimon says, oh, I'm in, I'll also have to give a Karban to a Nazir. What's the Halacha? So Ruvain says he has to give Karbanos to a Nazir. Shimon then says, I also have to bring Karbanos to Nazir. So, if they're clever, this is what they do. Reuven gives the Karban to Shimon. Shimon then gives Karbanos to Reuven. And they don't have to buy double. Now, Bishlam and Basra, now here's the deal. When Shimon said, I'm going to supply Karbanos for a Nazir, at that time, Reuven had already been obligated to be a Nazir. Right? Reuven said he's a Nazir, and he says he's going to bring Karbanos. And Shimon says, I'm also a Nazir, I'm also going to bring Karbanos. So when Shimon said that, Reuven was already a Nazir. So it makes a lot of sense. He's going to give his karbanas to Reuven because Reuven was already a Nazar at the time of the declaration. El the problem is Reuven. Reuven, the first one to declare, when he agreed to give karbanos to a Nazir, Shimon was not yet a Nazir. Go to the next page. So why does it work? Meaning, when Reuven said he's going to be a Nazir and he's going to give a karbanos to a Nazir, and he eventually gives it to Shimon, who was not a Nazir at the time of the declaration, he became a Nazir five minutes later, the halacha is, Reuven's allowed to give him the karbanos. But why? At the time, I mean, basically, the Mars kasha is like this. If you're telling me that a shliach just goes by the time of the appointment, and we don't care about later developments, and at the time of the appointment she was married, so we don't care about later developments, she became single, then how come by Naziris, why not say the same thing? At the time of the appointment, at the time when he became a nazir and he agreed to give karbanos, Shimu was not yet a nazir. So what do you have to say? The answer is, every situations are fluid. At that time, Reuven didn't have anyone to give his karbanos to. Ten minutes later, Shim became a Nazir. Great. Boom. Give it to him. So too, why not say the same thing by the Shliach? At the time of the appointment, she was married, but she became single a day later, so why wouldn't he marry her off? The Gemara says, What do you have to say? The person is saying, I'm going to give a Nazir to someone that I'll find in the future. So so too over here. So why not say the same thing over here? That she's that he said that he's t- telling a shliach, find a wife for me. And even if at that time she was married, but he means, and if something later develops, meaning you see from the case of a nazir that we don't go by the moment of the appointment. We go, it's fluid. We go by later date. So too over here. So the Gemara says, Amri. The explanation is loy meshave in a shliach el milse de motzi ovid hashta milse de loyatz ovid hashta loy meshave. The answer is there's a very big difference between a person in his mindset and appointing a shliach. A person will only appoint a shliach to something that he himself can do. See, when you're deciding, when a person is deciding by Naziris of what he's going to supply, in his mind, he, he could think, well, later developments might come up, much more room for fluidity. But when it comes to appointing a shliach and you're giving him your power, you're giving him your power at the time of the appointment. And therefore, you're the shliach can only do what you could do at that time. And if at the time of the appointment she was married, then the shliach cannot. I mean, it's not just that like the shliach practically can practically won't. The shliach cannot do something that you could not do at the time of the appointment. So, meaning we thought at first that like when he appointed Reuben appointed Shimon to marry, uh, to get him a wife, 
it's Sunday 10 a.m., Sunday 10 a.m. Rachel was married, but then she got divorced a day later, we're assuming that the shliach would definitely not look for people who are, he, he's only going to go, his mindset is only, I got to look for girls who are available at the time of the appointment. And the Gemara is like, why would that be? People are fluid, why not say that she became single a day later, he met her a day later, married her off. The answer is, it's not a practical thing, it's a halachic thing. A person can only give over a shliach a power of what he could do at the time. Meaning, when you appoint a shliach, it's frozen in time. His ability is frozen at the time of the appointment. And if things develop later, he does not have the right to be Mikadish a woman who is not available at the time of the appointment. Now, the Gemara says like this. The Gemara says, Veloy, is this true? That you're telling me that a shliach only has the ability to do what that person has, that the shliach only has the ability to do what the Mishalayach can do at the time of the appointment. Is that true? Toshima. It's a little tricky, Gemara. The Gemara says like this. The Bryce says, We have this in the Dharm. Someone takes, Reuben tells the Shliach, All Nadarm that my wife will make. We, we know that a husband has two choices when he hears about another. He could either confirm or he could be a uh, hafara. He could, he could uh, remove it to nullify it. Reuben tells Shimon, He says, Listen, over the next three months, every, every Nedar that my wife makes, I want you to annul. I want you to know. So the guy does it. The question is, does it work? Meaning, in other words, can you appoint a shliach to annul the vows? So, you might think it works. Rabbi Yoshi says, the Pasuk says, the husband does it. So he has to be the husband and can't be through a shliach. Rabbi Yoshi says, no. Why? We find in the Torah, that you could appoint a shliach. So why can't I appoint a shliach in this case? So you have a machloikas, whether shlichus works. But again, what's the case? The case is, March 1st, the husband tells the, tells the messenger, the shliach, over the next three months, I want you to annul all vows. Understand. Right now we're saying the rule is that a person can only appoint a shliach of what you can do at the time. Which means that according to Rav Yonason, that... Uh, that, and it's frozen at the time of the appointment, which means if on March 1st, according to Rav Yonason, you're able to appoint a shliach for the next three months to nullify the vows. And even Rav Yoshi is not against it conceptually. He's just against it because it's Zakasev, but he's, he's into the concept of shlichus. He just practically feels that it's not a good possibility. But that means that the shliach on March 1st, he's given power that over the next three months, all nadarm that the wife makes, he can nullify. And according to Rav Yonason, that works. And according to Rav Yoshi, it should work from the laws of shlichus, just as Xeris HaKasif. Now, that's point number A, that shlichus conceptually works to nullify all vows over the next three months. Point number B, it's a transitive property, A plus B, A plus B equals, if A equals B, the B equals C, then A equals C. So, point A is that you see from the Amirayim that a person could appoint a shlich for three months to nullify the vows. And it works. Again, according to Vyadisana works, according to Vyashi, it should work, because there is a cost of but the laws of Shlichus it works. Point number B. And that is that you're telling me that a Shliach's ability is he could only do what the husband could do frozen at the time of the appointment. So now point number C is if a Shliach is able, if the husband can appoint a Shliach on March first to nullify all vows over the next three months, that would mean that the husband can nullify on March first all the vows over the next three months. That's what it have to be. Problem is, 
It's a machlokes tanoim. Time with Amrachmana Ishik Mevishiv and Alav Hachi Apatrapas Mefa. You're telling me that the 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 shliach conceptually should be able to nullify the vows, and he was given the power on March first that over the next three months he could nullify all vows. Ve'ilu gabi So that would mean that the husband also should be able on March first to say all vows of the next three months I officially nullify. The problem is that's a machlokes tanoim. If someone says to his wife, If he says on March 1st, all the vows of the next three months are confirmed, the halacha is, You can't confirm what doesn't exist yet. But, If the husband says over the next three months, all vows that you plan on making are officially null now, Rav says it works, say it does not work. Now here's the kasha. The Gemara is saying like this, we're assuming that we paskin that Rav Yoshia and Rav Yoinasan were following the view of the Rabbanon, that a husband is not able to make a declaration on March 1st that over the next three months everything is nullified. But, yet, he could appoint a shliach. So you told me the rule is that the shliach's ability and power is solidified at the time of the appointment, that he could only do what the husband could do, and it's all set at the time of the appointment. So wait a minute, you find over here that the shliach is able to nullify all vows in the next few months, but the husband can't. So, so you see that the shliach is greater than the husband. So how could you say that the shliach can only do what the husband can do at the time of the appointment? Over here, it's not the case. The husband cannot declare on March 1st, according to the Chachamim, that over the next three months, all the nadarim are null and void, yet he could appoint a shliach. So you see, the shliach is greater than the husband. So the Gemara says, Dilma The answer is, you're right. These opinions that say that a husband can appoint a shliach only works according to Rav Eliezer. It only works according to Eliezer, meaning, according to the Rabbanon, that the husband cannot make a declaration on March 1st to nullify all vows, then, according to them, you would not be able to appoint a shliach on March 1st to nullify all vows for the next three months, because the shliach's power is set from the husband. He can only do what the husband can do. The shita that you're able to appoint a shliach of the next three months follows Eliezer, meaning, the husband can do it, and the shliach can do it. They're hand in hand. We thought at first that the shliach can do it and not the husband. And then you see, oh, you see that their powers are not hand in hand. It says, no, the shliach can do it and the husband can do it. So the Gemara says, well, well if, if the husband can nullify the vows for the next three months uh, when, when he hears about it, so why, why, why does he need a shliach? Just do it himself. The answer is, he's afraid that he'll forget, or he'll become angry, or mitridna. He'll be too busy. So he doesn't want to have to deal with it. So he doesn't want it to be that every single time he hears something over the next three months, he just says, he says to his wife, he says to the shleich, you take care of it. Okay. Um, the truth is, he could just make a declaration over the next three months, everything's null and void, and then he doesn't have to do any of this. But the minig was to, to do it in front of her so that she knows that it's null and void. So he doesn't want to have the deal, so he just appoints a shliach. Okay, but the rule could still be intact in that a husband, that a shliach can only do what the husband can do at the time of the appointment. No Mishnah. The Mishnah says like this, If someone says, it's resp- I'm responsible for supplying half of the nazar. Meaning half the carbonus of another. I'm going to pay. Let's say the carbonus costs a thousand dollars. I'm going to do half. V'shama chaverei and his friend hears this. V'amar and his friend says, "V'ani olay legalei chatzenazer." I mean, I'm also. 
So what's the halacha? They both have to supply the entire amount. The Tanakama Div Rameir, this is Rameir Shita. Rameir's opinion is that when a person says, it's is he, he looks at a sort of two statements. means I'm going to supply a Nazir's Karbanos. And then when he said, it's like trying to retract it. And Rameir says, whenever you have two statements that are contradictory, you always go to the first. So over here, he said, which means I'm going to supply uh, the Karbanos of a Nazir. And then he said, Chatsi. The chatzi is an attempt at a retraction. No good. The chum say no. no. Both statements, it, it, you don't look at it as two independent statements. It's one statement, and that is, I'm going to supply half half of the carbonus. So that's what he has to pay. So the Gemara just will end with this. The Gemara just clarifies, Everyone agrees, If you said the terminology of chatzi carbonus nazir a lie, then over there, chatzi carbonus Karbonus, everyone agrees, if you say Chatsi Karbonus Nazir Eli, that's one statement, and that is, I'm going to pay for half of the Karbonus, then you only have to pay for half. Karbonus Chatsi Nazir Eli, and everyone agrees that if you said Karbonus Chatsi Nazir Eli, that if you said the Karbon of half a Nazir, then Kuli Karbonus, you definitely have to pay all, because there's no such thing. Meaning, if you say the Karbon of a half a Nazir, that means I'm going to supply the carbonos of a half of a man. There's no such thing as a half of a man. So then you have to supply the entire thing. My time, There's no such thing as a half naziris. What's the home? Machlekes is the Mishnah's Lashen, which is Rameir says that once a person says Harei that's an acceptance of a full Naziris. You're obligated to supply the entire Naziris. And then when you say Chatsi, that's an attempt at a retraction, and too late. We go with your first Lashon. Rabbanon Savri, the Rabbanon say no. It's a vow and a regret, meaning it's one statement. The first statement and second statement are not contradictions. The second statement is clarifying the first that when you said, I'm going to accept Karbanos, you meant half of the Karbanos, and that's the Rabbanon sheet. I will stop here.